Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, another rough night last night. Rough night for the country, rough night for me as well. I'll get to that with a mea culpa. Some of you saw Hannity last night, know what I'm talking about. A lot on Mike Flynn today, too. I've got a really loaded show. Don't go anywhere. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today from prying eyes. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Uh, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today, sir? Hey, man, I'm I'm doing okay, and I, I know what you're going to talk about. I saw you last night, so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, let I you know, take care you, of that, daddy <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not laughing about it. I'm just, um, it was a really long day yesterday. I'm really, uh, I'm not looking for anybody's uh, sympathy, believe me. Everybody's got their own battle scars and their own fights right now, and they're probably a lot more significant than mine. But yesterday's a really rough day between Man. this health thing I got going on and this thing that happened with us, the security situation thing, and it's just been really crazy. So I'm hanging in there with you, though. All right, let's get to it because I got a lot to get to. Today's show brought to you by our friends at GenuCell. Summer's finally here, ladies and gentlemen, a summer like no other in so many ways. And Chamonix is celebrating with a sale like no other. Right now, get the classic GenuCell for bags and puffiness and the jawline treatment, and Chamonix will double your order. Double that order for free. Whether you're staying home, you're going back to work, or simply connecting remotely with your loved ones and coworkers, now's the time to say goodbye to puffiness, dark spots, crow's feet, and even firm up that delicate skin around the jawline and neck area. Paula loves this stuff. Your next Zoom or FaceTime will feel better. <laughs> Guaranteed. She's giving me a... You'll get, she's like voguing. From the, you'll get compliments or simply get 100% of your money back. It's time for you to emerge strong, positive, confident, and beautiful. Order GenuCell now, and Chamonix will double your order free. Go to GenuCell.com, enter my discount code at checkout, Dan30, that's Dan30, for an instant coupon of $30 off your order. It's a big savings. And for results in minutes, the GenuCell immediate effects is also yours free, plus free shipping. Get double your order free now. All orders today are upgraded to free priority shipping. GenuCell.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com, promo code Dan30, Dan30. All right, Joe, let's go. First, in regards to last night, I need to uh, listen. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I need to uh, apologize to you and my uh, my audience and everyone else who may have heard last night. I was on Sean's show, Sean Hannity, of course, on Fox. I do mostly Tuesdays and Thursdays, but uh, I this week I'm pretty much booked the whole week. Um, I love Sean's show. Sean's a friend, and uh, I was really upset last night. Not an excuse, just providing you background on what happened. We were talking about the situation in New York City, you know, a place where I grew up, my my hometown. I live in Florida now lived in Maryland in between that, but my wife and I both uh, are native New Yorkers. And as I said, I was having a really tough time. I'll explain why in a minute. And I just went off on Bill de Blasio. I don't regret that at all, by the way. That's not what I'm give, issuing this mea culpa about. But I used the Lord's name in vain and the G damn, if you know what I mean, on TV. And uh, I'm deeply sorry for that. I'm not kidding. There's no excuse for that. And uh, I made sure to apologize to Sean on the air. I sent him a text afterwards as well. And he was more than understanding. And so was Fox, by the way. And I appreciate that. But uh, I do apologize. That's not, there's no excuse for that. You know, you have to, someone sent me an email that was interesting. You know, we have to keep our bearings here. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of, of anger and rage here. But, you know, God didn't do this. We did this. So my my apologies for that. I, I mean that. Now, uh, again, just addressing quickly what was at the heart of it and why I just, I can't, I mean, I'm just like, I'm at that point a lot of you were at. I mean, even Paula last night was like, can you please turn this off? And I just, after I was done, because I think she saw it and I can't, I can't because I have a responsibility 
that you've given me and blessed me with to report the news to you, to know everything that's going on all the time, even if it eats me alive doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't have a choice. I've got to keep that on, but it's wearing me down. Like it's wearing a lot of you down. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't been out there as a police officer and an agent in years and running for office. I think it was taking its toll. And last night I felt a little different after that hit, like something had kind of died in me a little bit, but here's what happened. Um, I have a, person down here for security thing that happened that I, I don't want to go into details on the show. I usually disclose everything, but for, I don't want to incentivize more criminal potential behavior here, but I have someone down here, let's just say with vast experience in the security arena. That person, you know, was having a tough time in the security space over the last few weeks for obvious reasons because of the coronavirus, where a lot of those jobs had just dried up. Well, that person's phone when I was in front of him was ringing off the hook yesterday. I'm, I'm off the hook. I'm speaking like phones have hooks anymore. You get the point for anyone older the age of, over the age of 40. Yeah. It was ringing endlessly. And folks, it was one of the most disturbing things I've seen in a long time. I'm, I'm, this is not hyperbolic. It was ringing off the hook with desperate shop owners, security people, calling him, looking for other contacts and other cops willing to work off duty by pharmacy owners and business owners in midtown Manhattan, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about in the middle of a war zone in Kabul. We're talking about pharmacy owners and business owners in midtown Manhattan calling these security companies, begging them, some of them in tears, begging them to produce armed security to stand outside of their pharmacies because they're afraid their buildings are going to be burned down and their entire lot of painkillers and everything else is going to be stolen. I don't understand. I'm trying to get my arms around what stealing loads of OxyContin, what that has to do with the George Floyd situation. I don't understand. I'm missing the connection here. I'm watching videos all day in New York City. One, one video I saw of a Rolls Royce, I'm not kidding, a Rolls Royce pulling up to loot a store in the middle of Manhattan. Combine that yesterday with me trying to wrap up this book and this health thing, and it all just culminated in this moment last night. We are watching this hapless, feckless loser of a human being, this disgrace to humankind, Bill de Blasio, forfeit the world's greatest city. He is surrendering the city. He finally, finally last night got some small, small lid on it. But that's after days of letting the world's greatest city fall to rioters and a criminal element. Bill de Blasio, the communist mayor of New York, understand what I'm telling you, surrendered the world's largest city. They're, the people who live in this city are about to lose everything. And folks, these are citizens. We don't play that game here that liberals play with us sometimes. I don't care if they're liberals. I don't care if they're communists, greens. It doesn't matter to me. They are citizens of the United States entitled to not have their asses kicked by rioters and not have their businesses burned to the ground. Now, you may say, well, Dan, are you sure it's de Blasio? Yes, I'm sure. Multiple contacts from the police department have contacted me and others. And they're all saying the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. And what they're saying is this statement. This is from David Raboy, who I quoted the other day, a good man on Twitter, whose friend reached out to him and put, he put it out on Twitter. So I'm assuming we can look at it and I'm assuming it's open season here on this. I'm assuming it's fair use. 
Thank you to David for putting it out there. This is from an NYPD officer who sent them this, who was, was on the front lines. And he says, the world needs to know this. Quote, almost 32 years with the NYPD, I've never felt such disgust, hopelessness, and anger. Manhattan was occupied territory tonight. We were totally outnumbered by miscreants. They were brazen, laughing, and rampant. It was so prevalent, there was nothing a police officer could do according to the rules and expectations of the Democrat Party. Our leaders took knees of solidarity with protesters during the day and then had a D word. I'll leave the rest out at night. It's the language is rough, folks, but you need to hear this. Zero leadership, zero courage, complete and utter pandering. And I heard the Bronx was even worse. I didn't hear one person say the name George Floyd. It was complete anarchy and savagery. New York, wait until you wake up and see the video Manhattan. It will look like Iraq. If you don't beg Donald Trump to take charge of these Democrat cities across America, your country will be lost. The I saw today disgusted me more than the I saw 9-11. Leaving the, those words blank for a reason. Wasn't even close. Going to bed. Good night. We're about to lose America's biggest cities if we don't do something. The police officers know what to do. If you are a resident of New York City, New York State, or any other major city, you should be asking right now your police chiefs, your sheriffs, and everyone else, where are the mounted units? Where are the quads? Where are the motorcycle units? Where are the crowd control units? Where's the movement restriction at night? Listen, the protesters during the protests during the day have been largely controlled. At night, it has turned into total anarchy. There's very few protests at night. And there's a whole lot of criminals and Antifa folks. It has to stop now, tonight, or you will lose your country. This is not a joke. It's not about politics anymore. Is about a sovereign nation preserving its dignity and trying to keep the fabric of it together. Now, in case you want to see how badly this has gone off the rails, I said there were three groups of people involved in this, and I meant it. There are protesters exercising their right rights. They're a criminal element. There's a criminal element out there. And then there's Antifa. And despite the protestations by the left, I have direct word from people on the ground, known Antifa organizers were there in D.C. Disregard the fake news from the media. I'm getting that from on the ground. They want to cover for Antifa because they love Antifa because they move their, uh, their, their ideological agenda. Again, they're the frontline shock troops for the left. The media will cover for Antifa. So again, disregard them. They're nothing but Pravda Soviet. So disregard them. But I want to play this, this video. You can hear the audio as well. Um, but if there was ever a moment of national red pilling where you wake up and you realize that the axiom I put out on this show is true, that moment should be now. And the axiom is this. Although Republicans may not be the solution to all of your problems, they're probably not. The cause of all your problems is most assuredly the Democrats and their liberal base. Don't ever forget that. You ask me why I vote Republican? Oh, damn, they failed you too, over and over. You're absolutely right. But given a choice of two bad scenarios, don't ever forget 
The GOP not be, may not be the solution, but the problem is definitely liberalism. And I'm going to add a fourth group to this. You have your protesters, you have your Antifa, and you have your criminals. I'm going to add a fourth group, and that's the useful idiots. That's the largely maybe 18 to 25-year-old snowflake crowd that's never had a job, it's never cracked a history book, has been told for the last 18 years of their sorry lives how awful the United States is. And they're the ones sitting there saying, hey, man, we're with you. Solidarity with these, with these rioters. You know, they've listened to way too much, uh, you know, Tom Morello stuff. And uh, they think all of a sudden that they know everything. You know, they've never been in a fight in their life. They've never been punched in the face. Thankfully, I wouldn't recommend doing that to anyone. But let me tell you something, punching you in the face when you feel it for the first time, you realize, gosh, that really wasn't fun, especially when your eyes start to water. They have no idea about violence or conflict. But when that violence or conflict breaks their window, all of a sudden you'll see what side people are really on. I want to play this video. I want you to listen to the audio for our radio listeners. Let me set this up. These are a couple of kids. They look like some spoiled little brats sitting in an apartment playing some beer pong or whatever with the tunes in the background while a couple of rioters walking down the street and running in there. They're sitting there. Hey, man, they're giving them the thumbs up at the window. You're going to hear something breaking in the background. I want you to listen to the response. Check this out. Why are you We're on your side! We're on your side! Holy s! We're on your side! We're on your side! What the There's your red pill moment for the day. 18, 25 year old snowflakes with your s'mores and your hot pockets. Rioters don't have a side. Their only side is chaos. You need to have a, have a rock thrown through both of your windows to figure that out, you dunces. Pathetic. Again, there's your red pill moment for the day. Wake up. All right, of course, the media needs to add to the aggravation here in drama because that's what they do. I've already told you they are Soviet-style Pravda gaslighters. Agitprop is their new thing. Agitation propaganda. That's what they do. That's the media's new formula. I'm sorry if you take them seriously. That's on you. I've warned you. I've documented and produced evidence over and over about how the media makes factually incorrect statements in advancement of an agenda. They're not doing journalism anymore. More proof today. Another story I have to debunk on the show because the media, if you're getting your journalism from there, you're making a fool of yourself in public. Let's look at this tweet by a Washington Post alleged reporter by the name of Hannah Nattinson, forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, who tweeted out about President Trump walking across the street to the church when they cleared out the crowd the other day. We covered that yesterday. She says, the biggest turnout I've seen yet outside the White House today. Many protesters tell me they were specifically inspired to come out by yesterday's tear gassing. Video gives some sense of scale. Well, that's really wonderful, uh, Hannah, except nobody was tear gassed in front of the White House. Now, you're probably saying, Dan, that's impossible. The media has told us repeatedly, people for the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN, that President Trump by tear gas the crowd. Some of them insinuated he personally did it with a tear gas. He doesn't even know how to operate a tear gas. That he tear gassed the crowd so he could go do a photo op across the street. 
Um, that is factually inaccurate. We just a little while ago had Defense Secretary Esper speak on television. Esper was crystal clear. Nobody was tear gassed. Now, again, if you're getting your news from the mainstream media, you'll continue to perpetrate this lie here. In fact, if you don't believe the defense secretary is a statement by the park police, you're free to read where they indicate clearly that they in no way use tear gas, that their officers were attacked. Some had to go to the hospital. They were cleared out. They found caches of glass bottles, baseball bats and weapons at the scene. And in an effort to subdue the crowd, they used pepper. It was not tear gas. It was pepper, which is uncomfortable. I've been both pepper sprayed, and I know I've been in the ga- in the uh, the gas house at the Secret Service training facility. It's very uncomfortable, both of them. It will not kill you. Water solves the problem. What will kill you are the baseball bats over the head and the glass bottles that the park police found at the scene after they sent 11 of their officers to the hospital. So forgive me for not buying into the media narrative again, Trump tear gassed the crowd for a photo op. You can take that story and ram it up the other end of you because, again, it's total BS. And I want to applaud President Trump for taking back that street in front of the White House and having the guts to walk out there. Good for you. We will not acquiesce one moment to false media narratives in advancement of their silly ideology. As a matter of fact, that's their destructive ideology because that's what they're doing right now. All right, there is other news going on, a lot of other news. The Mike Flynn case, Rod Rosenstein, of course, testified today, as you know. This is a big, big deal. A lot going on in the Flynn case, which is now entirely blown up in their face. I've got a brief update on that on this Mueller probe. And um, one of the most pathetic videos you will ever see from a politician. Pathetic. This Democrat politician in New York. We'll get to that. Let me get to my second sponsor today. Today's show brought to you by our friends um, at Omaha Steaks. I can't think of a better gift for Father's Day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this covers a lot of bases here. The food is delicious. You can stock up on great food. And, and there's you're just never going to get a complaint. How are you going to get a complaint about an Omaha steak? We eat this all the time. We eat their burgers. We eat their steaks. We eat their poultry, their pork products. It is absolutely delicious. My freezer downstairs is stocked with it. Father's Day is coming up. Give dad the gift he really wants. Perfectly aged, tender, delicious Omaha steaks. They'll deliver the world's best steaks and a huge variety of other favorites directly to your father's door. Right now, Omaha Steaks is offering our listeners access to a variety of amazing packages, perfect to send dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the promo code Bongino into the search bar. You'll see all the great options available. Many include free shipping and a free one-pound package. They're perfectly cured. Delicious, thick, applewood, smoked, steak-cut bacon. You'll want more of that. There are many packages available, perfect for dad, all ready to be shipped straight to your door in time for, in time for Father's Day. Omaha Steaks has a variety of Father's Day packages that include their world-famous Omaha Steaks, aged at least 21 days for tenderness and hand-carved to perfection. Burgers, delicious franks, sausages, and other favorites, perfect for grilling. Premium poultry and pork, tasty and easy to make. Can I take a time out on this? I have to fast today for a medical procedure and I can't think of a worse because <laughs> now I'm reading Omaha Steaks and I'm starving and I want this stuff. Okay, back to the read. They All have right. no work, one-step family meals, artisan desserts, and much, much more. I'm not joking. You could, I'm like dying right now. Right now, Father's Day packages are ready to order, ready to ship. And many include free shipping and a free pound of their steak cut bacon. They deliver guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Send dad a gift of food. He'll love this year. Go to omahasteaks.com and type Bongino in the search bar to shop for Father's Day today. OmahaSteaks.com, Bongino in the search bar. Thanks, Omaha Steaks. 
Thank you, but no, I'm dying right now because now I want an Omaha steak and a burger and I can't eat anything until later. All right. Getting back to the Flynn case, I don't want to let the other news get away from us. So, you know, Spygate and the targeting of Mike Flynn are only the biggest political scandals in the history of the United States. You know, Joe, I mean, I don't want to just sideline that. Uh, There's a lot of things going on. We're going to have to juggle chainsaws over the next couple of days. So, as you know, Mike Flynn was uh, framed, wrongly prosecuted. The government, the Department of Justice is now trying to throw out the case. But a judge who's not even acting like a judge anymore in the Flynn case is getting in their way. So the Judge Sullivan Mm. saying, well, you're not going to throw out the case until I say so, which is uh, the most bizarre, ridiculous, outrageous decision I've ever heard from a judge who's forfeited the robe in this case, forfeited the black robe. I don't know what he's not judging anything at this point. Now he's umpiring and playing in the game. The government, the U.S. government has now issued another brief on the case. So just to be clear, U.S. government, we're going to drop the case against Flynn. This is a really bad case. The judge, you're not dropping a case till I say so. No authority to do that whatsoever, by the way. The government now issued another brief, and it's devastating. Here's the And just so you understand who, who's signing this brief, this is coming straight from the top right now. One of the lead lawyers for the government, the Solicitor General. Look at the cover of this brief. Noel Francisco. Noel J. Francisco. This is issued in the Flynn case by the Solicitor General of the United States. They're not messing around, ladies and gentlemen. And this brief the government issued on the Flynn case is devastating. I want to hat tip Technofog, by the way, again on Twitter, another great account, and Undercover Huber, no, two great Twitter accounts. You really should follow. They're terrific. I want to hat tip them for a lot of this. This takeaway from the brief is devastating. I'll put this up in a second. But I want you to keep clear, this case is very simple, the air quotes, case against Mike Flynn. It was no case. He was framed, just to be crystal clear. He was framed for allegedly lying to the FBI during a January 2017 interview about a conversation he had with the Russians. Forgive me. I know a lot of you know the backstory. I've heard it a million times, but that's it. He talked to the FBI. They asked him about a conversation he had with the Russian ambassador as the incoming national security advisor. The FBI alleged in that conversation Flynn had that sanctions were discussed, the Obama-era sanctions on the Russians, and that Flynn lied about discussing them. Everybody crystal clear? Mm-hmm. So if Flynn was charged with lying about the sanctions discussion he allegedly had, wouldn't the FBI have to have asked him about sanctions for him to lie about it? Hey, Mike, General, did you discuss sanctions? No, I didn't. Yes, he did. He lied. I've been warning you about this for weeks. Well, we're proven right again, of course. Again, hat tip also Stephen McIntyre, who's been on this climate audit on Twitter, another great account. Let's go to the brief where they kind of hint and poke and prod that something may be going on here, ladies and gentlemen, something very serious. This is the government's brief back to the court, back to the judge saying, there's no case here for lying. They write, that he, re- he was asked if he recalled the conversation with Kislyak in which he encouraged Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, quote, not to escalate the situation in response to sanctions. The petitioner, talking about Flynn, responded, not really, I don't remember. It wasn't, don't do anything. Pay attention here. According to the FBI 302, the agents asked Flynn whether he recalled the conversation in which Kislyak stated that Russia had taken the incoming administration's position into account when responding to the sanctions. Flynn stated he did not recall such a conversation. 
The agent's handwritten notes do not reflect the question being asked or petitioner's response. To infinity and beyond. So, just to be clear here, Bob Mueller's hack team of corrupt prosecutors charged Mike Flynn with lying to the FBI about a conversation he had about sanctions, but they never asked him about sanctions. And the agent's handwritten notes. And Flynn's words show there was no conversation about sanctions. How can you lie about sanctions you were never asked about? I've only been asking this question now for a couple of weeks. Now, let me be clear. All sarcasm and, you know, joking around aside. It's not a clown show here. This is, I, I, I use humor to diffuse sometimes really unbelievable situations. And my own rage, to be candid, which at times is peak out of control lately to the media people who are listening and watching my show and the leftists too, who watch my show, hoping for one slip up so you can do whatever you can to boycott and try to ruin our entire show. I know what you do. Do you really believe the solicitor general of the United States, Noel Francisco is signing a brief that's false? Joe, follow me here. And I want to be sure the media okay. gets this and act as an independent arbiter here. So you pick right. up what I'm putting down. Mm -hmm. Do you actually believe the solicitor general of the United States, along with the upper echelon of the legal profession of the United States government is writing a brief in this case that there is no evidence that this question of sanctions was even asked that Flynn allegedly lied about and that the FBI notes and Flynn's word on it seem to seem to defend Flynn's story that he was never asked about sanctions? Do you really think they're doing that and putting it in a brief and signing it with all their names on it because it's false? No. So I'm asking both Joe as an independent arbiter and ombudsman and the media folks listening, how much longer are you going to keep this charade going that Mike Flynn had it coming and he deserved this and Spygate's a hoax and collusion was real. How long are you going to keep this charade going before you finally realize and come in front of the American people with a mea culpa like I did in this show today and say I was wrong? Mike Flynn was charged with a crime he did not commit. The evidence is everywhere. We really screwed this up. And before this gets even more embarrassing, it's time to come clean. Joe, is, is this making sense, what I'm telling you? Well, way too much sense, dude. Oh, jeez. I mean, you, yeah. Joe knows who the Solicitor General is. I, know, I, I mean, we don't know him personally. Yeah. I don't know Noel Francisco personally. Yeah. I'm simply suggesting to you that we're talking about one of the lead lawyers arguing on behalf of the United States government in all kinds of cases is putting down in paper and signing his name to a brief telling you what you're alleging the crime against Mike Flynn does not exist. Mike Flynn could not have lied about discussing sanctions because he wasn't asked about discussing sanctions. He was asked by the FBI about a separate Obama matter, which was the Obama administration's expulsions of the Russian diplomats from Maryland and New York. Those were a separate, distinct issue. If you watched my Friday show from last week and my shows last week, I documented out courtesy of Stephen McIntyre, an exhaustive review of how Obama expelled these Russian diplomats from the country after Trump's uh, election victory during the transition. 
and issued sanctions on Russian intelligence people. Those were two separate actions. Mueller is alleging Flynn lied about discussing the sanctions. He couldn't have lied about discussing the sanctions because he wasn't asked about the sanctions by the FBI. He was asked about the expulsions. That's a separate matter. Dan, that can't be true. Here's the FBI's own paperwork, ladies and gentlemen, media people, please pay attention. This is the FBI's own 302 summary of what they asked him. You will see again, hat tip Stephen McIntyre, the word expulsion of the Russian diplomats highlighted. This is one page, by the way, of three. The word sanction does not appear. The word expulsion does. So I ask you again for the umpteenth thousandth time. How could General Michael Flynn have lied about a conversation about sanctions if he was never asked about sanctions? And you have no evidence, none, that that is in fact true. Now, I know liberals. I know you. I know, I know you like I know the back of my hand. It stares me in the face all the time. It's really ugly. I got a wicked scar right here on the back of my hand. I got my hand caught and impaled on a locker in the New York City Police Academy. Oh. I let it bleed out that whole day all over the floor. We didn't really have a bunch of uh, biohazard procedures in place back then. I'm not even kidding. My hand was bleeding all over the floor. I had to go get napkins. I know you. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, you know, maybe some people just got confused. Sanctions, expulsions, they're the same thing. No, no, they're not the same thing. As I covered in last week's show, the media themselves, the Washington Post and others, made a clear distinction between the Obama Act to expel the Russian diplomats and the financial sanctions on the intelligence officers. They were two completely separate and distinct acts. Don't be a moron. You, I know you will be anyway, but you, if the media covered them differently, Obama covered them differently, and the FBI covered them differently in their questioning, they make no mention of sanctions, the expulsions they talk about then why are you going to humiliate yourself and lump them in as one big circle of, of uh, you know, like a witch's brew? No, no, it was the same thing. Someone just got confused. Even if that happened, it didn't. And there was some confusion and they just thought Flynn lied about a whole big bag of stuff, whatever it was. In order for Mike Flynn to have lied, they would have had to ask him about sanctions. They didn't. They asked him about the expulsions, but say the FBI was like, well, we were confused by expulsions. We really meant sanctions, although nobody else meant that. And Flynn still lied. Well, did he? Because this is interesting here. Here is a screenshot of one of the agents who interviewed General Flynn, Joe Pianca, who was with Peter Stroke interviewing Mike Flynn during the interview where he allegedly lied about the sanctions he wasn't asked about. And this is fascinating. This is Joe Pianca's handwritten notes while he's actually at the interview with Flynn. You'll see at the end, I'll translate that for you because it's in Pianca's uh, not very legible handwriting. It says, boxed us in. Box us in. Boxed us in. Wow, boxed us in. Well, well, well where, does, where, does, where does that appear? Oh, I'll get to that in the next segment, the specifics, but Box this in appears in the transcript. The transcript of General Flynn's call with the Russian ambassador, the FBI, while they're taking those handwritten notes, are interviewing Flynn about. And where does box this in appear? Box this in appears in the transcript 
when Mike Flynn is discussing the expulsion of the Russian diplomats with the Russian ambassador, where he requests that they don't box us in. What am I getting at? Some of you are picking it up. Even if you're dumb enough to confuse the sanctions with the expulsions that no one else has confused but you because you're a liberal. How can Mike Flynn lie about the expulsion you're trying to conflate with sanctions? If he clearly told the FBI about his conversation about the expulsions and told the FBI, told them not to box us in, which is in their notes, you have nothing. You have nothing. I am not kidding. To the media people and the liberals out there who continue to advocate on behalf of a Soviet-style police state in the false framing and political prosecution of the world's, uh, right now, most prominent political prisoner right now, in the I should say in the United States, Mike Flynn, there are a lot of political prisoners throughout the world in a far worse situation. But having said that, the world's most, uh, the United States' most prominent political prisoner, Mike Flynn, I'm telling you, you have absolutely nothing. You continue to humiliate yourself and embarrass yourself. And I strongly, strongly, in full candor and sincerity, encourage you to just apologize. Apologize, come clean, and just tell your listeners the truth. You know what the truth is. Mike Flynn was framed. And every corner you turn down to try to defend the FBI and the Mueller probe on this, every corner, you wind up at a dead end. He couldn't have lied about sanctions because he wasn't asked about them. Well, the expulsions, he got confused. Yeah, he clearly acknowledged that conversation where he said, don't box us in. How do we know that? Because the FBI used the exact same language in their notes. Where do you think they got that from? They got it from Flynn. They took the notes while they were interviewing him. How could he lie about a conversation he clearly told them about? This is only going to get worse for you. Please, save some dignity. Stop humiliating your family. Don't you have kids? Don't you have kids? Seriously, don't you have parents? You really want to be written about in the history books as being on the side of a police state political frame job? Candidly, I'm embarrassed for you. All right, let me get this Mueller prosecution here too, because this ties into this as well, because now we know the entire Mueller prosecution was corrupt. And I just keep asking this question, when does the investigation of the grotesque Mueller probe start? It's clearly corrupt. This is not misfeasance anymore by Bob Mueller and Andrew Weissman and his team of, of, of witch hunters. This is malfeasance. This is outright corruption, what they did to General Flint. Ladies and gentlemen, the expulsion of those Russian diplomats, which is what the FBI conversation with Flynn was about, the interview they allege he lied about, the conversation about the expulsion of the Russian diplomats was important because Mike Flynn said to the Russian ambassador during the transition, when he's the incoming national security advisor, please don't engage in a tit for tat. In other words, what he was trying to avoid was probably a nuclear war, which would be a good thing from an incoming national security advisor. Joe, wouldn't you agree? Just suggesting that. Yeah. I mean, it is a nuclear good idea. power. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So he's trying to diffuse the situation. You know, all of a sudden, the left are like, the, the peacenik left are now all of a sudden warhawks. They want to bomb Russia all of a sudden. Interesting. Uh, fascinating take on that. But Flynn had legitimate concerns as the national security advisor. Our embassy is is not staffed to handle the expulsion of a similar number of diplomats. Our embassy, which I spent a lot of time, by the way, in 
in Russia. Remember that, Paula? A lot of time at our embassy in Moscow. A lot. I know the place well. During the conversation, follow me here. If it gets a little convoluted, I don't intend it to be so. During this conversation he's having with the FBI about the expulsion of the Russian diplomats, Flynn is saying to the Russian ambassador, please don't just respond in a reciprocal fashion because if you expel 60 or 70 diplomats from Russia, well, we won't have a functioning embassy. So Flynn is legitimately concerned about keeping an open channel of communication open with one of the world's largest nuclear powers as the incoming national security advisor. Again, please tell me what's inappropriate about that conversation. Of course you can, because if you're a liberal, you, you know, logic doesn't really work in your favor. You were immune to facts. You were given the vaccine a long time ago. So let's put up the call summary the FBI has. It's not the direct transcript, but the summary of that call with the Russian ambassador, where he's begging him at this point, please don't escalate this situation because we'll have no functioning embassy. Check this out. I want to show you how bad the, uh, forgive me for the highlights, they're not mine. I think this was undercover Huber or techno, uh, techno fog, but it's a little off kilter there, but you get the point. I want you to read this, check out this call summary. I'm going to show you what Mueller did to frame this a different way. So the FBI summary of the call, they say, Kislyak says he heard Flynn and he will try, uh, he will try to get people in Moscow to understand. Flynn repeats that he's asking to reciprocate moderately because if Moscow sends out 60 people too, you will shut down the embassy, Flynn says. Flynn, let's keep this at an even-keeled level. Then when we come in, we'll have a better conversation where we're going. Also, basically, we have to take these enemies on that we have. We have a common enemy. You have a problem with it. We have a problem with it in this country, and we definitely have a problem with it in the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen, this is perfectly reasonable. This is the summary of Mike Flynn's phone call with the Russian ambassador. He's trying not to escalate, and he's saying, listen, we have a common enemy, terrorism in the Middle East. We could talk about it when we get in office. Again, if you're suggesting there's anything inappropriate there, I can't help you. Please go seek professional mental health uh, treatment because you need it. You really don't know what you're talking about. You're just embarrassing yourself. The incoming National Security Advisor talking about a joint fight against terrorism and trying to de-escalate a potential really bad situation including what would be shutting down of our embassy. Now, that perfectly reasonable call, here's how the Mueller team frames that. Again, these corrupt miscreants on the Mueller team, totally corrupt. They say in their statement of offense against when they charge Flynn, immediately after his phone call with the PTT official, Flynn called, talking about the presidential transition team, Flynn called the Russian ambassador and requested that Russia not escalate the situation and only respond to the U.S. sanctions in a reciprocal manner. Do you see how he does it? You see how Mueller hmm. strategically moves the word expulsion of the Russian diplomats and changes it with sanctions. Yeah. This is done deliberately, Joe. This is done deliberately because yeah. Mueller knows they have nothing on Flynn. He knows Flynn is addressing the expulsion of the diplomats. He knows he's addressed it with the FBI because Mueller sees the handwritten notes, box this in. So Mueller's team figures, Van Grack and others, if we change the wording in the statement of offense from expulsion to sanctions, we can say Flynn lied to us about the sanctions, even though we didn't ask him about it. I mean, oh my gosh, Dan, this is amazing. This can't be that bad. It is. Mueller's team is actually signing court documents framing Mike Flynn. It gets worse. Here's the Flynn, the actual transcript, not a summary of the conversation with where they talk for this. Don't engage in this tit for tat. Don't escalate the situation. He's asking Russia. Check this out and listen to how Mueller frames this. He says, hey, they're, they're, uh, this is Flynn. 
He says, they're going to dismiss some number of Russians out of the country. I understand all, and I understand that, you know, the information they have, all that. But what I would ask is Russia to do is, if anything, because I know you have some sort of action, is to not make it, is, uh, is to only make it reciprocal. Excuse me, make it reciprocal. Don't, don't make it, don't go any further than you have to. I'm reading it directly. I'm not stuttering through it. Um, because I don't want us to get into something that has to escalate on, you know, on a tit for tat. You follow me, Ambassador? So again, Flynn's trying to de-escalate and asking the Russians, don't expel all our diplomats, we'll have no functioning embassy, and don't engage in a tit for tat. He's following on and answering a question by Kislyak, who's asking him how and they how they should respond and what they should do. But listen to how Mueller frames it. Again, with respect to the sanctions, <laughs> this is Mueller's statement of offense. Flynn requested that Russia not escalate the situation and not get into a tit for tat. They are not talking about the sanctions. The Mueller team is making this up to invent a fake crime. There is no talk of sanctions. He's making this up. Oh my gosh, I can't believe people are still falling for this. Even the dumb liberals. I, you know, usually I don't give them a lot of credit because they, but how many times I, do you, how many times are you going to get sucked down into this Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole of stupidity? How many times? How many times are you going to humiliate yourselves, your friends, by posting fake news that's so easily debunked and discredited? Again, if you're not watching this show, you're missing all of this, and I'm really sorry. All right, I'm going to get to next this video. Uh, I'm going to rank this as probably top five, one of the most pathetic videos of a politician I've seen in a long time. Hat tip to Joe for trying to make the video. I'll get to it in a second. I got a third sponsor, but hat tip to Joe Armacost for trying to make uh, this video audio somewhat legible. It's it's Ugh. recorded through a face mask on a yeah. mic like 10 feet away. I'll translate it for you after. Please, you but, still need but to. Stay yeah. You're not going to want it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. But Joe did his best. We tried. <laughs> Even Paula was like, what the hell is this? It sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. It's still worth your time, though. So check out the video, youtube.com slash Bongino. If you want to watch the video, too, it's even more embarrassing watching their facial expressions. All right. Finally, today's show brought to our friends at, brought to you by our friends at Ollie. Listen, your dog's health is as important as every other member of your family. And it starts with what you feed them. What do we feed our dogs? Ollie. They won't eat anything else at this point. The food is delicious. You know what's in your dog food? Well, Ollie puts dogs first. They have vet-formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Ollie makes fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that people can eat, not a joke, and delivers them to you on a regular schedule. That's why I don't even like to call Ollie dog food. It's food for your dogs. It's different. Dog food has this, look at the doggies right there. So you can, if you want to check out our doggies lounging out there in the backyard in our house there, getting some sun. It's like giving a piece of steak to your dog, right? Is that dog food? No, it's a piece of food you gave your dog. Dog food is a really negative connotation. Not with Ollie. This is fresh food. It's delicious. The dogs love it. They beat out store-bought dog food on a 10 to 1 on a palatability scale because it tastes good. They have customized vet-formulated recipes made with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and sourced from U.S. family farms. Go to myolly.com slash try slash Bongino. Go today, answer a few questions about your dog. They'll customize recipes for your dog. They've delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping's free. If your dog doesn't like the meals, it's like impossible. But if your dog doesn't like the meals, have a money-back guarantee. 
Ollie's offering our listeners 60% off your first box plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try slash Bongino. It's the best deal they have anywhere. Go to myolly, O-L-L-I-E dot com slash try, T-R-Y slash Bongino for 60% off plus a free bag of treats spelled myolly, M-Y-O-L-L-I-E dot com slash try slash Bongino. Go today. Your dog will love this food. It's delicious. My dogs go crazy. Once we uh, rip open the package, it's like a madhouse in there. All right, so here's this video I've been teasing the whole show. This is the absolutely pathetic Elliot Engel, a Democrat congressman, who's getting ready to speak at a uh, protest. Uh, this was a peaceful protest there, but he's getting ready to speak at this protest or thinks he's getting ready to speak. And the organizer of the protest is like, hey, man, um, you know, we got a lot of people here to speak, and I'm, I'm really sorry, but there's nothing I, I can do. I can't fit you in. So I have an article about this. If you want to read up at the, uh, the Daily Caller, it's up at the show notes, bongino.com slash newsletter. If you want to subscribe to our show notes, the newsletter is the show notes. Read the article. This guy just humiliates himself. So listen really closely. Turn up the volume a little bit. It's about 15 seconds. And you're going to hear the organizer of the rally and pathetic Democrat Congressman Elliot Engel trying to get to the microphone. And he says at one point, listen closely, he says, Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be a big deal if I didn't have a primary. Oh, he says, no, even worse. He says, I wouldn't care if I didn't have a primary. Check this out. Then, then I got to go down the list. And it's just too many folks here. If I, had, if I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. Say that again? If I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. Oh, my gosh, is that pathetic. Oh, I mean, of all the disgusting political videos, he is at a rally. With people who, many of them, who have legitimate concerns about what happened to uh, Mr. Floyd there. He's at a rally. This isn't a rally about like, uh, you know, uh, hey, you know, more weed, you know, bring it. This is like a 1960s hippies rally where people are like at Woodstock and like free love. This is a serious rally about a serious issue where you would think you would show up if you had some kind of joint cause with people. He's trying to sneak up to the microphone. These organizers shuts him down and says, hey, I've got a lot of people here who need to speak. And his response is, if I didn't have a primary, Elliot Engel says this, I wouldn't care. And in defense of the organizer, he goes, no, 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 no. Don't put me on that spot. Rewind that, play that again and watch that. And the only reason I played this video, if I may take a point of personal privilege and add some um, color commentary to my own show, Having run for office a couple times myself, my first time when I ran for the U.S. Senate in Maryland, my first time ever running for office, we won the primary. We went on to the general election. Paula and I were stunned at the lack of integrity, civility, and any kind of moral compass for most of the politicians we ran in of both parties. By the second time, we were already immune to it. Wouldn't you say, Paula, we were already expecting it? She lived with it, me through all of it. By the second time I ran for office, we were battle-hardened. And ex- I, I think the best way to say it is we expected nothing from politicians and they responded in kind. The first time we ran, when I left the Secret Service, an honorable job where people do the right thing for a big mission. Nobody does it to get rich, believe me. And I ran for office. I could not believe the degeneracy of some of these people we elect for public office. I can't tell you how many times that happened to me at rallies I showed up at. Let me, can I give you one quick example? 
Joe knew me back then. There was a, remember the, the, the gun thing in Maryland, that gun legislation, oh, yeah. they were going to ban a whole bunch of guns, yeah. Joe, years ago. It was a huge deal in Maryland when I ran mm -hmm. for Senate. I showed up at a rally at one of them, and I think it was, it may have been after the Senate race, but I gave a, they just handed me a mic and I gave a speech. Speech went viral. It was, it got over 2 million views. So I went back to another, I was not scheduled to speak. I was not there to speak, but someone had asked me to speak. I showed up a couple of weeks later at another rally because I just it was interested in the second amendment folks, the politics that went into it. There was this Republican lawmaker there who to this day still tries to reach out to me, which is hilarious. Cause I ignore him. He was at the scene intentionally blocking me because he felt like I may run later against this guy talking about me and I want to keep him. And the people lost their minds. The people there were like, let Dan speak. Let Dan. It was hilarious to watch. To watch these pathetic lawmakers with their parochial interests try to silence me because they felt like I may have had something to say and I may later on impact their political careers. It was the most pathetic. Remember that, Paula? Remember when I could, you know, she knows who it is. I'm going to leave his name off the show because he still tries to reach out to me today. Stop calling. I'm not going to answer your calls. You know who you are. <laughs> right? Doesn't he? Yeah. Hey, Dad. Love you, buddy. But Joe knows who he is. If I, I'll tell you after the show. Okay. And to avoid further embarrassment for this buffoon. Hey, buddy. Can I come on your show? <laughs> no, thanks. I'll give you the double barreled. I'll leave the other finger out of it. Thank you. Paula's doing it for me. You're not coming on my show ever. So please lose my phone number. Oh, boy. You know who he is, Joe. Uh -oh. You won't be uh, surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you after the show. Big loser. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Rod Rosenstein up on Capitol Hill today testifying about his uh, destructive role in the Spygate scandal. Uh, just a few quick things on Rosenstein that we will address tomorrow as we follow up with video and audio from uh, his testimony today. Uh, one of the first questions Rod Rosenstein should be asked, of course, is about the scope memo he issued. You know, the scope memo where he told Bob Mueller, hey, here's what I need you to go investigate. And here is an unredacted portion of that scope memo from August 2nd, the second scope memo, where Rod Rosenstein uh, instructs Bob Mueller to go and investigate allegations that Mike Flynn, yes, the one who was framed and we've just been talking about, committed a crime by engaging in conversations with the Russian government officials during the period of the Trump transition. Keep in mind, this hack Rod Rosenstein, who is not a white hat, I don't care who tells you otherwise, he is a black hat, he is a bad guy, Rod Rosenstein, who signed one of the warrants to spy on the Trump team, also instructed Bob Mueller, after having read the transcripts and going through what I just told you, how Mike Flynn did nothing wrong addressing the expulsions and not escalating it into a nuclear war, he still instructed Bob Mueller to go forth and use the Logan Act, which no one has been prosecuted with in the history of the United States. It is a fake crime to go and investigate Mike Flynn anyway. I'm sure we will have a response from Rod Rosenstein, who will be asked about that on the Hill today. And if he's not asked about that on the Hill today, every member of the Senate should resign in shame uh, for not asking him. They should probably ask him also why he relied on the Steele dossier, knowing it was a hoax, too. If they're asking him that, uh, actually, right now. He says, I don't believe the Steele dossier was relied on uh, for indictments. Uh, no, Rod, it was only relied on to start the case that led to the indictments. Are you really this stupid? 
I worked for Rod Rosenstein when I was a Secret Service agent in uh, the Baltimore field office, and he was the United States Attorney for Maryland. Uh, he's an embarrassment. I'm sorry. All right. Um, here's an interesting tweet from NPR. I wanted to put up. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of news. I know we're covering a lot of material, but it's really important. So, ladies and gentlemen, I've, over the past month or two months or so, I've said to you that society, you know, we we try to engage in Pareto maximization, right? We try to engage politically when it comes to public policy uh, in legislation that will help at least one person while not harming anyone. They call it be, Pareto optimization, right? It's a, look it up. It's interesting. The best public policies will help at least one person, at least while not harming anyone else. The worst public policies will harm more people than they actually help. Not hard. That's like reverse Pareto optimization, right? Mm -hmm. I've been arguing to you about the coronavirus lockdowns, that the lockdowns may be the most disastrous economic and financial public policy decision in the history of the United States. I am not kidding. While I understand initially in the first couple of weeks when there was some confusion about it, I still don't think it was a good move, but while I understand the confusion and what may have happened in the first couple of weeks, the 15 days to stop the spread, and that's not me defending the president in some kind of golden calf mode. There was a lot of confusion at the time. These continued lockdowns, which the rioters, Antifa, and candidly, a lot of legitimate protesters have totally disregarded. Those lockdowns were an economic apocalypse for the United States that have cost trillions of dollars of wealth. People are going to have to work years after their intended retirement now to make up for what happened. But remember, Joe, we discussed a couple of weeks ago and, and months ago when this started, how every public policy decision like Pareto, you're supposed to weigh what are the costs and the benefits. You don't just talk about one side of it. Yeah. You don't just talk about the benefits of something without the costs, and you don't talk about something uh, about the cost of it without talking about the benefits. There's a risk-reward ratio to every public policy decision, ladies and gentlemen. If there weren't, we would throw reason out the window and we would say, listen, murder is a big deal. Can you think of a worse crime? You've taken someone's life. Is there anything worse than murder? There's some really bad stuff, but is there anything worse than murder? You've taken someone's life. There's no coming back from that. So you should say to yourself, if you don't balance risk-reward, and the media did not at all when they wanted the economy shut down, which really speaks to their true motives, which were not to stop the virus. Let's just stop that nonsense now, please. If you were really concerned and you don't do risk reward, you'd say, we are now banning murder. Everyone's to stay in their house 24 hours a day. You're on a full lockdown until the murder rate drops to zero. You may say, well, that's an extreme example. Sometimes extreme examples are what's needed to ring the bells of people who just don't get it. Why don't we do that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the benefits of zero murder would be outweighed by the costs of people dying and starving inside their homes while they have no jobs and the economy shut down. That's why. The media totally disregarded this and the leftists that wanted these shutdowns, which, again, this isn't about science anymore. You can postulate yourself what the media really wanted to damage Donald Trump, to cause an economic recession. I'm not sure. I'm simply suggesting to you saying these lockdowns are based on science is at this point, utter, complete absurdity. 
The media had no concern whatsoever for the risks of a lockdown on suicide rates, bankrupting hospitals that weren't doing elective surgeries, straining our food supply, depression, people getting ill inside of homes by other sick family members. The media didn't care about any of that risk balancing. Well, now all of a sudden, you may say, what does this have to do with NPR? Now, all of a sudden that they have a protest, Joe, they think they can leverage to politically damage their opponents. And the media has opponents. Their opponents are the law and order people and the constitutionalists and the conservatives. Now that they have an issue, Joe, now we're back incredibly to weighing risks versus rewards, even though a month ago we cannot sacrifice one life. That was the only acceptable media now. Remember, Joe? If one person is lost to the Wuhan virus, it's unacceptable. One. We can't sacrifice one, no matter what we have to do. Even if we kill 10,000 more, we can't sacrifice one life. Now, let's check out this NPR too. Now, all of a sudden that it's a protest, they seem to think they can leverage. NPR, all of a sudden, is back to weighing risk and reward. Fascinating. NPR tweet, quote, dozens of public health and disease experts have signed an open letter in support of the nationwide anti-racism protests. Quote, white supremacy is a lethal public health issue that predates and contributes to COVID-19, they wrote. Now NPR is back to reporting honestly about risks and rewards. Citing this letter by public health experts saying, now, Joe, listen, these protests could spread the coronavirus, but white supremacy is a bigger problem. Risk? Interesting. How when it comes to identity politics... The press and the scientific community is more than happy to start doing a risk-reward ratio again. But then when it came to bankrupting millions of Americans and shutting down their businesses and protesters in Michigan, no one in the media or the elitists in academia were even remotely concerned about risk or reward. Don't ever forget what I told you about the media. They are telling you a story. They are not telling you the story. Please don't be a sucker. All right, I want to end on this. You want to talk about a truth bomb. This is a powerful video. It's about two minutes, but we cut it down to a minute for the sake of time. Mm -hmm. This is a Milwaukee police official. He may be the police chief. I don't know the man. But he's being asked by a bunch of reporters, again, looking to tell you a story and not the story. Apparently, he was at one of these protests and was looking down at his phone. God forbid, he's only a police supervisor in one of America's big cities, Milwaukee, looking at his phone. I mean, it's unforgivable. And apparently, the narrative got out there that he wasn't being attentive to the protesters' needs. Now, most, I don't know this guy. I don't know his history or anything like that. I'm not vouching for him. I'm simply suggesting that most people in the face of dumb media questions without a spine would just cave to the question of me and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We screwed up. Uh, did you get it? Did you get it? Fruit flies. We get the worst fruit flight scenario in here in my house. Ridiculous. Yes, she got it. Awesome. Well, this police supervisor is not having any of that. I'm going to leave you today with this video audio and, uh, you're probably going to want to give this guy a standing O what he's done. Here's him answering these stupid media questions about looking at his phone. Check this out. What's your response to some of the people that thought you were being disrespectful by being on your phone and not being attentive to them? Well, I was on my phone, and yes, that's true. 
I was following developments with a five-year-old little girl sitting on her dad's lap who just got shot in the head by a drive-by shooting. And if some of the people here gave a good about the victimization of people in this community by crime, I take some of their invective more seriously. The greatest racial disparity in the city of Milwaukee is getting shot and killed. Hello. 80% of my homicide victims every year are African-American. 80% of our aggravated assault victims are African-American. 80% of our shooting victims who survived their shooting are African-American. Now, they know all about the last three people that have been killed by the Milwaukee Police Department over the course of the last several years. There's not one of them can name last, one of the last three homicide victims we've had in this city. I have nothing else to add. Don't let them tell a story. You tell the story. That's how it's done. Thanks for tuning in. I sincerely and deeply appreciate in this time of crisis, uh, you all, our audience, choosing our show. I tweeted that out the other day, and I meant every word of it. Um, also, a couple other things. I'll have some announcements in the coming week about some actions I'm taking in the social media ecosystem out there. So stay tuned for that. It's pretty big news. Um, also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. It's free. We really appreciate you supporting the show. And I really appreciate you uh, accepting my sincere apology about the language last night. That was, that was unnecessary. Like I said, you know, God didn't do this. You know, God didn't do this. This is nothing to do with God, what's happening right now. <sighs> Tough. Thanks again, folks. I appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.